1: I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Tony Blower has been a visible force in the martial arts, self-defense, defensive tactics, and combatives industry for over four decades. His organization has grown into one of the world's top consulting companies, specializing in the research and development of performance psychology, personal safety, and close quarters tactics, scenario-based training for law enforcement, military, and professional self-defense instructors. His research on neuroscience of fear and the start of flinch has led to the development of SPEAR system, S-P-E-A-R system, a modern personal defense system based on psychology, physiology, and physics. After decades of interviewing victims of violence encounters and studying violence, he created the No Fear Program, K-N-O-W Fear Program, which focuses on managing fear through self-awareness, resiliency, and the movement mindset. This program has also been integrated by psychologists to help veterans with PTSD. I followed him for years. He's influenced the way I think, the way I study, the way I train between self-defense, between pistol, knife, blade, transition, situational awareness. And then I was lucky enough to get to speak at your event. We were saying before we got started two years ago, and you mentioned when you introed me there at your event that in 2020, when shit kind of went sideways for everybody, you were like, Holy shit, I may lose everything. Yeah. Tell us about what that did for you and what that did for
0: your psychology. It was nuts. It was, it was one of the most scary moments for me, which was challenging the whole, you know, I don't know if you ever heard about adversity and how it helps develop. Resiliency, and it's a good thing if you can lean into it. Interesting. Look look it up. Yeah, check it. It's it's actually a gift, as I like to say. (laughs) I agree. You know, I I was sitting there when it was two weeks to flatten the curve became three months, and and all of my business is at the time was in person, and more importantly, my demographic was mostly first responders, public safety. Well, all of those people were. Tapped and taxed with stuff and deployed and doing stuff. There was no training going on. You know, in the world. Let's let's not talk about all the bullshit and the corruption right now. Maybe we can get to, get to it <laughs> after. But you know, in the beginning, everyone assumed this was this was legit, and so there was that global fear and the energetic osmosis of that. You had to assume it was real. You would be uh, foolish in the beginning to not. So there was that element. But then suddenly I'm sitting there in my office after about three months and I look at the numbers, Marcus, and I go, shit, this is like half a million dollars worth of business that I just postponed or canceled. There was no difference at that point because there was no, the world's opening tomorrow. Like we, nobody knew. And then it occurred to me, I'm going to lose everything my ability to feed my family, my security, my company. My bullshit materialistic possessions, uh, all of that. And there was a moment where this fear management expert <laughs> was in the fear loop. It felt like someone shoved a shot back up my ass and was sucking out my insides. And I was like doubled over my chair like this, going, Oh my God. You just didn't know. Like if you're in a fight and you think you're going to die, right? And someone's strangling you and you're going, I'm going to die. And you go, there's a piece of that person there that you see if I can get my thumb in their eye right now if I can get my hand to that rock here if I get if I can just turn that by in this case here you're sitting there really in the dark everyone was in the dark and it was freaking scary man and I gave myself 24 hours to uh try to be polite here because I know people are sensitive but just 24 hours just to be a pussy and and just to go because I'm able to detach and go too bad you don't know a fear management expert what would you do if this were one of your clients calling you but it's different you know i always make this joke man if you stub your toe and it breaks there's nothing you can do right you just like you straighten it out and but there's nothing you you can do you sprain your toe they say sprains are worse than breaks whatever but while you're screaming going fuck my fucking toe if i were sitting in front of you going Marcus, it's just your toe. No, it doesn't matter. Like, the pain will go away. If it's broken, if it's sprained, it'll get better. It's just your pinky toe. But in the moment, your toe is freaking you out. And metaphorically, you're allowed to scream. I read something interesting that just popped in my head because I lost my mom over a year, just over a year ago. And it affected me more, more than I could ever imagine. I was reading something and I don't know why this popped into my mind just now, but I'll just, I'll just share it. It was just a different spin on mourning, that the idea that if you never get over somebody important to you, their, their death, if you never get, if you continue to mourn it, they, that keeps them alive. And it was just this interesting reframe, because I, like, I go, like, wow, did I think about my mom as much as I do now while she was alive? Did I miss her this much while she was alive? And I think about her every day. I don't know why that popped into my mind. I don't know what that had to do with with just this fear. There's some connection that I don't that I can't make right now, but it was this idea of losing everything and I'm intuiting the connection here and you'll you'll dig this because it's it's all in the black box of how resiliency can help you morph to your next iteration of yourself. There's a a quote, one of my favorite, favorite quotes is be willing to give up who you are today for who you could become tomorrow. And that can't happen without adversity. So in those 24 hours, and I remember like being sick to my stomach, it was around 435 o'clock. My wife, Jess calls, Tony, dinner's ready. And the kids are running around the house because everyone's like, there's no school. Like we're home. This is cool. And then when I say kids, they're like 18 and 20. And my son lives up in L.A. And, um, I go to the table and I'm, you think I'm hungry? Like, I'm just visualizing like, a, like a nuclear bomb has hit all my assets <laughs> like, and I'm just like there going, Oh shit. I sit down and I'm like pretending to chew. What's the matter? Like, you're not hungry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I didn't realize the time I had a snack and a protein shake. Like a little, I'll eat a little bit later in a little bullshit just to, I like, because I didn't want to say to the full family, <laughs> guess what? next week, we can't eat. So eat slowly and maybe put some of that food in your mouth like a fucking squirrel. And sweetheart, put that bread in your purse. We're going to be on the street. I was like 24 hours. And the next day, I woke up. And part of it is just the, we're surrounded by some very strong men, our inner circle. And you can't look at their their feeds or their message without, like, if you're sitting here, and I'm like this, and you walked in the room. You wouldn't go, do you want me to put you out of misery? You know, how do you want to go? You'd be like, what the fuck? Dude, you got this. We'll figure this out. So I I, I kind of got that hat back on. And it was all guys like yours messages, not in my face, like a like an airplane flying by, you know, with a banner, but just, This it's one of the wonderful things about these podcasts, your book, the audience, just this idea that if our message is genuine and authentic everyone listening will hear our voice or our words when they need it a great 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 man police trainer he's like a like a grandfatherly type mentor to me when i broke into the law enforcement teaching community industry in 1993 his his name's uh, everyone calls him coach ironically coach bob lindsay and uh, he's legendary. He, he was a cop in Louisiana when JFK was killed. Legendary guy in the police training. But he came up to me after watching me teach one day, and he told me, don't ever stop doing what you're doing. You're going to get a lot of resistance. People don't understand and won't for a long time understand what, what you're talking about, but don't ever stop, promise me. They're like, I don't even know this guy. He's like, pulls me aside. He's like looking at me, holding my massive, Fucking biceps, and he can hardly get his arms really like around me. He's like, he's really holding me almost like, no, I'm just kidding. So he's like on me like this, and I'm like thinking, who the fuck is this guy? And he's looking at me, don't ever stop. And uh, he said, Your students will hear your voice in their head when they need it. And I was like, you'd imagine like he's like a stranger, and I'm thinking, part of me is going, who the fuck is this nutcase and then part of me is going and we're at like a a restricted training you know it was at the as american society law enforcement trainer so he wasn't like like if it was just on the street i'd be like scared i'd have been in the fear loop while my self-defense would have gone out the window i knew who he was he had a badge on and everything but I was like who the fuck but what he was saying was also so almost like when you meet like a like a spirit in a movie. And you're going, okay, this is creepy, but did, did you guys see this? Did this just happen to me? And I always remembered that. And over the years, and what that did for me, Marcus, is it, it reminded me every time I taught, every single time I taught, I would hear his voice telling me that, but I would connect it to, you always tell the truth, even if people don't understand it. I just posted a meme today that was really funny. I don't know if you saw it on my story. my story. Tennessee Williams if you really want to piss people off, you can do two things, attain some happiness or tell the truth. And you do both. (laughs) And and I I wrote, I go, oops, I did both. That explains the haters. But anyways, I like that was 900 tangents. I didn't take a breath for 10 minutes there. It was interesting. So I hear it's ironic because the serendipity of the story is I hear coach Lindsay's voice. Anytime I'm about to do something, you know, don't stop tell the truth, even if people don't understand it right now, because they'll hear your voice when they need it. And he was talking about it in the survival sense. Right. But metaphorically, like, isn't that what we do every day? We're, we're, we're trying to survive. It is.
1: And last time we spoke, I can't remember if it was in person or in, in Florida or wherever. I was talking about this idea of micro adversities, how that can give us some semblance of potential of how to survive. But you pointed out to me, your, your counterpoint was like, Yeah, but that's still not the same. It has to be fucking real. It has to give you that real adrenaline rush, that real hormonal cascade, that true fear loop. Again, like you're saying, what happened in 2020 gave you that real thing. And it's very different when it's us. And we can study it all day, but actually feeling it, actually experiencing it, knowing that there are real consequences. As a matter of fact, the highest consequences. In some ways, death is even easier, right? Like we can get to it, it's done. But when we realize that it's going to be this elongation and that, you have to look at your wife or your kids and say, "So, um, good news and bad news." So, what's what's the good news? Oh, well, there's really not, and this is the bad news.
0: The expression, I think, and you you nicely you professionally quoted it, but it was like, "Hey, fear is contagious. So is courage. Choose courage." And this idea of leaning into fear that's become like of all of all the programs that we have, and we and we have we have so many programs from. Uh, gunfighting to SWAT programs to ground fighting to personal defense bureau bodyguard but the most important program we have is our no fear program and it's this idea of if you and i were like a show in vegas you know we're dancing on stage if you want to be able to choose courage you need to get to no fear
1: absolutely it's impossible and we have the solution in our mind that we will do well we had this idea in this pristine vacuum when it's been unmolested that all of a sudden, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be fearful. I'm not, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be courageous, but you've seen it. You've experienced. So have I, and I've seen it in different situations too, where the strongest guy in the room, when there actually is some sort of real pressure, some real fear, some real adversity, they buckle because they've never been there because they've always expected that they would do well or up until that moment they did well. But then when there's a bunch of alphas in the room and they realize. There may be something that I'm not accustomed to or I'm not prepared for. And that's when we really have to start harnessing this this skill.
0: It's an interesting thing. And I could go down some rabbit holes there because I, I would always, as a, this instinctive proverbial coach, people only buckle because in the same way that someone doesn't make it through selection, it's not, it is, it's completely mental and and that's the thing because we can give ourselves excuses like well i didn't graduate high school that's why i couldn't get into this or i got asked to do something at work but i wasn't trained properly on excel so i couldn't manipulate the document bro you know it's easy to point a finger but the truth of the matter with with all things is we're not taught in society we're not taught a strategic way to look at fear. That's what I think our company has figured out. And the feedback has been, I mean, I get like, this is insane. So one program, I've got a letter from a martial artist, tenured professor saying, my kids are different than all the kids that they grew up with. All their peers are Different. They're challenged by adversity. My kids, and there's a letter, I don't even know the guy. And he goes, The only thing we did differently, raising them, was introduce them to your philosophy on fear. As a martial artist, he was consuming my material. He was a young dad, a seven, eight-year-old kid, and went, huh, I'm going to say this to my kids and see what happens. And then 15 years later, he writes me this letter out of the blue which I summarized as, thank you for helping me raise my kids. That's insane to me. I got another letter from a guy, same program. Thank you for helping me get my daughter off of antidepressants. I'm going, I don't even know your daughter's name. I never even met you. I got a letter during all the craziness from an emergency room doctor that said, I found myself in a janitor's closet having a panic attack. And I was able to, through thinking through your system, get out of there, get back in there, and continue working on people. And you know the tier one guys and and other people that that you know my company works with over the years, getting that stuff, I was always blown away. We had Jeff Detesso, who's a twenty plus years as a psychologist, but he's a Krav Maga expert who came to me maybe six years ago, seven years ago to get certified in our martial arts self-defense or approach to scenario-based training. I didn't know his background because when someone fills out the application, they don't go like, I don't ask them what their occupation is. My assumption is you're either a professional or a recreational self-defense instructor. You do it at night or it's your full-time gig and you're looking at our material and and you want to get certified. But a year and a half, maybe two years after calls me up and he's, He's adapted our approach specifically to deal with vets dealing with post-traumatic stress. And I'm like, oh, wow, cool. I and then I've come to learn he's a psychologist. And while we're talking, he says, i got to tell you, this is more effective than anything I've learned in 20 years of psychology. And I said to Marcus, I said, holy shit, can I put that on my website? Because like that might be the best testimonial ever. Thinking he'd say, no, of course, I can't say that. His answer was "fuck yes, you can," and it's up on our on our No Fear website. So we have a, a specific website dedicated to to this program. But I know loosely who your demographic is. But if your demographic forget profession and facade, your demographic if your demographic is not unicorns but humans, we all have fears. We all have physiology. We all have psychology, right? And so you could be. Fearless in a part of your business, but you're fucking up your marriage, or you're amazing in your marriage, but you you can't nail it here in sales or entrepreneurship. And the answer, and you you know, maybe go off in this wicked rant tangent, is when you you say to like, hey, we got a bunch of guys in the room, and somebody does this, we initiate this challenge, and somebody we thought was going to do really well folds. They're not folding because they lack skill, I mean, they might in the literal sense, they're folding because of the narrative, the story, the movie that's playing in their mind. And you know this from your military training and being around other military guys, the people that make it through Q course and buds and other stuff, some of them, if you went like that guy had the best time, you're looking at like some like scrawny little five foot eight motherfucker, not the guy that looks like the rock. Where the message there is we judge books by covers and we think we want the big muscles and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that's the wrong place to look. The place to look is something we can't see. And that's mindset is Mm -hmm. I am unwilling to quit. I am unwilling to to give up. And that, of course, comes full circle back to your life and and your message of I didn't want to. Ironically, I, I was teaching in the UK when the world shut down. And I woke up to 30, 40 text messages, panics from my kids. Dad, are you okay? There was one airport in Europe open, and that was Heathrow. And I'm in London. I got another week there. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, should I go home? Should I take my me?" Nobody knew what was going on, but it was like everything was closed. The U.S. was closed. Can I even get back in the States? Well, are you a citizen? Yeah, I am. Okay. Okay, phew. I didn't know if I was going to walk out of the hotel and it was going to be like, remember that movie, Generation Z with Brad Pitt, like like zombies Zombies all over. It was just craziness, man. But that day, coming back to the story, this is a neat one. I'll share this because I'm assuming you have a lot of entrepreneurs that'll listen to you. So I'm sitting there. I gave myself 24 hours to to, this was the thing that made me think about my mom, to mourn. But if you don't remember why you're sad and what you want to remember, then maybe you make the same mistake again. So now I tell people, when we talk about it, I go, you know, what did you learn? I said, well, I learned I should have prepared for the pandemic before the pandemic. And it's the same thing when I teach self-defense. You need to prepare for self-defense before a confrontation. You need to be working on your stamina, your aerobic capacity, your endurance before you need it. You need your breath control and your meditation skills before you need it because if you're having a panic attack and someone says i need you to box breathe right now and you're going i don't fucking know what that means i'm freaking out so i saw something uh another really funny meme that i shared you think that maybe i don't work and i just i'm online all the time i'm paraphrasing it it's got this woman in the background running and she's got horrible technique and she looks like she's gonna fall over and it says like if if you think you're really struggling with your mental health do this immediately. Go outside, go for a run. And when you realize how poor your physical health is, you realize your mental health's not so bad. It was, it, was, it was pretty funny. Meaning these assets that you need to help get you through an adverse event, you want that preloaded. has to be chambered before you need it. You got to dig the well before you're thirsty. All the martial art analogies, right? Let me hog the mic for a second more. I was talking to Steve Weatherford. I don't know if you know Steve. Big, big inspirational dude online. Former NFL. One of those guys you hate because his body looks like a, like a Ken Barbie doll, but better. Very into fitness now and and leadership. So I, I know Steve through some other friends. And we happen to be in conversation right when all this shit happened. So I call him the next day. And I go, hey, man so funny thing happened on the way to the forum i'm gonna lose my entire business if i don't figure something out here i don't know what to do nobody wants to do anything like everyone's freaked out nobody like even if i said hey come to my garage and do some training it was right at that peak point when everyone's like yeah we're just gonna stay inside for a little bit more he says to me aren't you like a famous self-defense guy and i was like yeah that's the rumor he goes listen man Every day I work out of my garage and I have 150 people on Zoom work out with me. He said, I don't charge them because they're in my coaching program or they buy protein from me. And he's got, you know, this whole fitness thing. He said, but there's no reason why you couldn't charge your people. And I thought about that for about 10 seconds. And I went, fuck. I don't know if you knew this, but I had already been teaching for over a decade online. Uh, Cisco, WebEx, Skype, before Zoom was even a company. I was already doing shit online, coaching, mentoring, teaching people who couldn't get to me because of geography or time or whatever. And I was doing like big group things. So I was very comfortable and I know my materials. So I'm not intimidated by this. So I I filmed something very transparent in the spirit of, of coach Bob Lindsay, like tell the truth, let them hear your voice. And I said, Hey, there are many of you who have always wanted to train with me, but couldn't afford it. I'm a lot of money to bring me in for a day, but you can't afford it. Or you could afford it, but the weekend that we were doing the gig, you were getting married. It's your anniversary, You had another commitment. And you just, this has been a bucket list. I always want to do this. Well, I'm starting this thing. We start off as a five day a week thing. And part of it was also, I wanted to create a community and tribe because I didn't want anyone committing suicide. I would tell people you can't solve a problem if you become the problem. And if you don't have the self awareness to recognize that you're the problem, you're just going to get crushed by the fear. And I was talking today to, to somebody, here we are, we're, this Friday is class 500 in a row. There's 500 classes up in the cloud on Zoom. It's insane. And I was talking to one of my team today, and we we're just talking about uh, marketing ideas and stuff. And I said to her, I said, Elisa, if there were no requirements to pay rent, to buy food, like it was just, everything was just free would you still like the spear system? Would you still want to teach? Would you still want to make people safer? And she's like, absolutely. I go, me too. If there were no requirements for money, I would still every day go teach in the garage gym. I fucking love it. If the answer that we both shared is true, then what we're doing has purpose. What we're doing is as a vision and a mission. And it's only because of rent and taxes and shit like that, that we need to charge money. So I share that essence in this video in 2020. And I said, if you always wanted to do this, here's what it is. It's 97 bucks a month. We're doing five classes a week. And this is important. Your investment in your personal safety and the fear management and training will also be an investment in ours because everything has stopped in my company. So if you can afford to do this, I don't want you to do this if it's going to compromise you taking care of your family you feeding your kids or you feeding, you know, your significant other. But if you can afford to do this, I guarantee this will be life changing. So it's really transparent. It wasn't like, hey, Tony here and I've got this new, it was, it was like literally I'm in a dark place and I've got a certain skill and you're interested in my skill. Let's shake hands and, and let's make a deal. I had a hundred people sign up before Friday and that literally saved my company. And you know, we've now had over 700 people come through the program. But I want to tell you that probably the most important thing here, if anyone's still listening, because I've been rambling the first class. So we you know, we plan it. We're starting the first of the next month, April 1st or whatever it was. And I'm walking around the house like this. And my wife looks at me and she goes, are you okay? I go, yeah. I just like, like a, just this mild anxiety going on. And she goes, you over what? So what's the first class of the garage gym? She goes, what would you be nervous about? You're teaching on Zoom. You can't catch anything. You're the best spear instructor in the world. Everyone's paying you. They want to learn from you. And you've been doing this for decades. What in the world could you possibly be nervous about? And this is the magic. My answer now is the magic of the No Fear program. The No Fear program doesn't teach you how to overcome a specific fear. It teaches you tools to unpack the metaphoric onion of your mind that's creating this negative movie, right? False expectations appear in real, the acronym for fear that we love. I'm visualizing an event in the future that's debilitating me in the present. So I can't show up fully. I can't hit flow state. I'm never my most confident self. I can't be vulnerable. I can't be transparent because fear forces us to conjure a facade, especially for guys. So I look at my wife, and she goes like, what, what could you possibly be afraid of? And I said, I didn't tell you this when I did the numbers. But I need this to work. If it doesn't work, we can risk losing everything. And she's like, what are you talking about? I go, we've canceled like, a half a million dollars worth of, of courses with no end in sight. We need some, something to, to save the business. This could be it. That weight is on my shoulders. That's producing wicked anxiety. I need this to work. I'm not afraid to teach. I'm not afraid about the lesson. I'm not afraid to make people laugh. I'm not afraid to people make people cry. I'm good to go. I need them on the other side of that screen to go, holy fuck, I'm going to show up tomorrow. That was really good. But here's the thing is I was able to articulate exactly what it was. And when I said it and released it, the nerves dissipated. Next thing happened when I peeled that layer of the onion. And this is all organic. Had she not asked me that, I wouldn't have verbalized it. I would have been fine. It would have been fine. But it's different when you have a system. Because in our system, we say, what exactly are you afraid of? not it's okay it's like just pre-fight jitters no what exactly are you afraid of and uh, the second thing that came up after that was i started my company in a garage in 1980 and it suddenly occurred to me that i was going to save my company in a garage in 2020 full circle
1: That's beautiful
0: it's interesting too because again you're being very
1: transparent you're saying listen I'm the no fear guy. I'm the fear management guy. And I was fucking devastated by it. You were paralyzed by it for a little while. And you had to give yourself that 24 hours. And that's the way the human condition is, right? Like, I mean, technically, like the Kluber-Ross, the, the five stages of grief, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But it's not always that transparent. It isn't always that simple where it's like, okay, I can tell right now that I'm in this place of denial. It's like, no, especially when we're in it, especially when it's us, we want to be the exception. But being able to actually take what you spent the last 40 plus years doing and being able to finally turn it around and, and save yourself with it, like that's why you did it in
0: the first place. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was It was weird. It was humbling. So it brought a new layer of humility and education. It inspired, you know, we had three three new websites up within two months, a whole bunch of digital assets, like things where after they were built, I was like looking at my team going, I'm a fucking idiot, you know, and they're look, looking at the CEO and I'm going like, there's no reason that this stuff shouldn't have been built before the pandemic. This had nothing to do with the pandemic. We reacted, responded, created as a counterattack to the pressure to survive. But then we're looking at it going like, why didn't we have this before? Like, what's wrong with remote learning? Well, we've been doing it for years, but it was never organized and set up in, in a way. In fact, our courses are out live again. We're out, you know, we had a team that just came back from Australia. We got a team going to the UAE next month. We had five or six courses last last month. I'm still teaching four days a week online in Zoom. And my wife says to me, like a year ago when when the world started going, Is it safe to move last night? She's like, Are you gonna keep doing this? I go, Fuck yeah, I love it. You're old enough to remember the t- tv show Cheers. Oh yeah. It's like cheers, man. I pop on, there's 15, 20 people there that are regulars, you know, the other hundreds, the time. So we do live, but we record and upload that day. Somebody who's in a different time zone or working at the time, they can watch it. And it's filmed like this, where you don't know if it's recorded or not, because it's done like first person. You're following along the exercises or there's a theme or a lecture or whatever. But she said, hey, do you have to keep doing this? I go, no, I don't have to, but I want to. It's my canvas. There's nothing I love more than coaching. Why take that away from me? Yeah, it's a beautiful medium, especially
1: when you have that interaction with that person. And the other thing is even live, like you're saying, as we're speaking it into existence, we come up with other scenarios, we come up with other ideas that we wouldn't have gotten any other way without knowing that we're right there on the camera. And you've done some incredible things. You were continuing to evolve, grow stronger, get better in the business with everything you're doing. And this has given you other avenues. You're great friends with uh, Stephen Pressfield. I had him on the show a couple of times. Love him. His, he's inspired me so much. And even Jack Carr, you were recently on his podcast. Can you tell us about how that came about? I'd
0: have, have to kill you if I tell you about the Jack Carr connection. You can either confirm or deny. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> like you, as a huge friend, Stephen Pressfield. And I can't remember either Jack introduced me to Stephen or Stephen introduced me to Jack. I, I honestly, I have to look at my email chain now. It happened so quickly a few years ago, you know. When I read Gates of Fire back in the day, I mean, what an impact it had on so many people. And then I was like, who's this genius, Stephen Pressfield? Then I read a bunch of his other books, and I remember uh, reading Legend of Bagger Vance and loving that. And then, but not realizing Pressfield had written that as well, and I was like, holy shit! So getting to meet him and hang out with him and, and eat with him and share some wine and and be in touch with him and that's kind of trippy, Jack was cool like a lot of mutual friends like i've trained a lot of team guys over the years i was out in uh, i was doing a course for mike glover's company Fieldcraft, out in utah and of course jack lives there and, you know we were messaging each other and came out to my hotel one night and we just said just took a break And any his schedule's insane and we had like an amazing steak and and some red wine and chatted and everything and He's been on my podcast a couple of times and that's how it goes. Interesting guy, super smart. To write that many good books like that is just like, I mean, what a gift. Yeah, it's incredible. And speaking of podcasts, you have the
1: No Fear podcast, but you also have a new podcast that's going to be or is in a live format. Now tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So we've run a couple of beta ones, but we'll be full steam in 2023. No Fear is like a similar podcast to yours, right? It's like Zoom. we record it one-on-one, pick each other's brains, blah blah blah. And I was like, how can we do more for the people that listen to us? My favorite part of a seminar is like, who's got a question? My favorite part. I'm going to go up, I'm going to talk for half an hour or 45 minutes. I think the most fun I had with yours, you speaking at my event. Was as great as your piece was for. I think I gave you like three minutes to talk or something like that, maybe four and a half after the intro. Yeah, but you know, after your talk with half an hour, forty-five minutes, or whatever it was, some of the banter and the interaction with with the group, I, I love that. And so I was thinking, is there a way online to do that? And Screamyard and a couple of other apps allow you to stream live to Facebook, LinkedIn, Rumble, Twitter, YouTube. And it syncs with the chat function. So if somebody wants to ask a question, if you're managing yourself or you have a producer, they can pop up questions. So we still does the same thing. I'm going to have you on the show and we'll be talking and I'll say, Hey, I'm going to interview Marcus for like 30 minutes. And then the next 30 minutes, whatever question you have about adversity and obstacle and challenges, you know, ask him. So get your questions ready. And then like you just stop the show and then now suddenly it's like a live thing. It's cool. It's a different type of pressure. There's a lot more intimacy like this where I don't have to worry about a message coming in on WhatsApp. Should, I, should we post this thing here? Should I just you your private message. It's not perfect, but at the end of the day, if we weren't doing this for the audience, then why the fuck didn't you just phone me? Why are you recording this? So what can we do more for the audience? And I think that that was a very special,
1: I don't want to say magic, but like it was powerful being in front of your people having the honor to speak to them. But then when you set the the stage the way that you did, again, it was so seamless and you got to a really good temperature of the room. And then once that one person stood up and was courageous enough to ask the question about fear or adversity, that gave everybody else permission to do it. Hey, I know somebody that's going through adversity right now. How can I help them? How can I make them apply this stuff? And it's like, you fucking can't. They got to figure it out on their own or at least come to it. But we at least give them the option and give them
0: tools to be able to use it. And that's, again, coming back full circle to something I I don't know if I crystallized as effectively as I could have. With our program, we're giving people not just the tools. Hey, uh, here's a hammer, here's a screwdriver. If you don't understand the blueprint or how to assemble things and how to use the tools, you're still stuck just holding the tools. So we really teach people how to manage fear through and how to practice courage in, in their life day to day, so that you realize, oh, this obstacle is way bigger than I anticipated. But the steps to choose courage, to manage fear different here than they were for the the other stuff I did for the last week or month or year. The truth of the matter is, is not. I mean, that's the acronym behind me, the fuck fear acronym, face it, understand it, control it, know it. If you learn those stages then you get to say, like a superhero, fuck fear. But you know that it's an acronym. It's not you being crass or whatever. It's, it's a very, very effective and functional acronym.
1: And you had a great thing on your substack when you were mentioning this comment about, are you training for your last fight or for the new one? Or so it's the same thing with this analogy of the, of the tool, which is maybe, you know, the tool that worked before was a screwdriver. And if I just fetishize that and just worship that, and think that that's going to save me in the next fight or the next situation, and I need a hammer, it's gonna make a shitty hammer in the process. So having these tools is fine, but knowing when to go to the next one, knowing what the problem is,
0: right? So the real superpower is self-awareness. And my opinion, the only way to continue to develop and cultivate self-awareness is to practice courage, which, and the only way to practice courage is to experience fear. Now, I'm not one of those guys, like, I don't like the memes, do something that scares you every day. That's that's not me. If you're choosing to be scared, that's not the same thing as something externally scaring you. And that's huge. I'll say that again, because I don't think a lot of people think about that. They go, oh, I'm afraid of snakes, so I'm going to go to this place and pick up a snake and go overcome my fear." You're going to a reptilian place with defanged or devenomized snakes with an expert there who will grab the snake if you freak out or whatever. You're signing a waiver. I'm not saying it's not scary. I'm just saying it's not the same as hiking somewhere, sitting down, going, oh, past the water, and there's a fucking snake wrapped around your ankle or three feet away, or you hear a rattle. And you, for a moment, go, is that a small tambourine band or is that a rattlesnake? So like, I'm not being a dick right here, everybody listening to this. I'm afraid of heights, so I'm going to go skydiving. You're going on purpose. You're signing a waiver. You're taking a little course. And you're jumping static line or tandem or doing it. And even though it takes courage to do that, it's not the same as a unsolicited stimulus that triggers the fear. That's the skill. That's what the system's about. I don't have a problem with people that do that. I've jumped out of airplanes for a fear management exercise because I too don't like heights. we got a Christmas tree here. Even though we're Jewish, we celebrate any holiday where we can maybe get more gifts or I learned this as a kid. If I don't have to go to school because of this holiday, I celebrate it. Every year the tree gets fucking bigger and bigger and I'm like, Olivia, I will hold the ladder. You go put the star on the top of this tree. Okay, dad. And of course, I'll, I'll do it, but I'll jokingly ask her. And if she wants to do it, I'll let her do it too. The point being, I jumped out of an airplane and it was scary as shit. And I practiced my SOP, but I recognized it wasn't the same thing as somebody running up behind me, putting their hand over my mouth. It was dipped in some fucking special potion that put me out, black bag over my head. And then I, I wake up and you know, I'm in an airplane and I'm like, "That was this stupidest example ever. But this idea that truly managing fear is when you get a stimulus that was unsolicited, you get the fear spike, and you've already cultivated the self-awareness to go, my physiology just changed. My psychology just changed. There's no way I can perform optimally if I'm performing out of the fear loop or with the fear loop. You've all had, and everyone listening to this, you've all walked into a room, this has happened to you. You've walked into a room and there's somebody sitting there like this or arms crossed or crying or stunned and their body language says something horrible is going on. And you look at them and you go, hey dude, are you okay? And they look up and they go, yeah, why, what's up? complete denial or lack of awareness. And then a day later, two days later, a week later, you find out something about uh, family, business, finances, health, whatever. Because people, they're not ready to, to articulate. Now, this goes back to Jessie saying to me, what are you nervous about? You look nervous. And I knew exactly what it was as soon as she asked me. And as soon as she said that, I went, now that I know what I'm nervous, I'm less nervous. Now I've got anticipation. And that's the shift that we do in our coaching and mentoring is how do you turn fear into fuel as opposed to just fear is fear? Most of us have been taught that fear is is bad, bad fear. And this idea that if we're feeling fear, that we're somehow cowardly, we're not ready, we're unprepared, as opposed to no, I'm completely prepared. I'm just feeling fear now. And you can regulate that. George St. Pierre. You know, one of the greatest MMA fighters ever recently in the last year started talking about his fear pre-fight. And a lot of people would know that you see him there with 4% body fat doing a Superman punch across the ring, dropping somebody. That guy was freaking pacing his hotel room this morning going, why did I do this again? And he says like the worst day of his life is every day he has to fight. And he's not afraid to say he's afraid. Uh, Tyson used to throw up before fights and cry. People didn't know that, right? This is my promise to people who train with me. I go, I can't stop you from feeling fear, but I can stop how long you have this confrontational relationship. You're already in a confrontation, and now you've got an internal confrontational relationship because the fear that we need to control isn't the physiological fear, Marcus. It's the psychological fear. You can't change your physiology in Meaningful ways when things are happening fast, and let me qualify that because you know if you you meditate, you breathe, etc., something can happen, and you're like, "Holy fuck, I'm hyperventilating!" And you could stop and namaste and wusa, but you can't do that in a car accident. You can't do that in a dramatic oh, like hostile takeover. You can't do that during sudden violence. You can't just stop all the time and get in the into the lotus position and friggin' box breathe or or do your four, seven, eight and whatever it is. A stimulus that triggers a fear spike can attack our system at a an instinctive at a physiological level at the gut level, but it immediately also, in our research, sends an image to your mind. So somebody goes, Oh my God, this thing just bit me. Am I gonna die? Like why would they say am I gonna die if they weren't visualizing the movie in their mind? So the biggest part of our program is separating mind from body. And going, what are you thinking up here? If it's the movie, and you've heard me say this, but the psychological fear spike is when I'm the producer, the director, the screenwriter. I'm also the star in the movie in my mind. And I've cast myself as victim number one in a fucking horror movie in my mind. And it's only self-awareness that helps you leave that movie. It's only your moment where you go. And I've done this like my daughter's not home. It's 11 o'clock. It's 1130. She said she'd be home like at 1030. Where is she? And then as a dad, I'm going, okay, she was kidnapped by sex traffickers. She was in a car accident. She's getting raped. She's getting murdered. Maybe she's at her friend's house and she forgot the time. Your brain, there's no way you don't start to visualize bad things. And if you're one of the fucking people that don't, you're the unicorn. But most people visualize bad things. It's how we survived. But what we need to all do is go, wait a minute, if I'm imagining this. It hasn't happened. And right now it's producing cortisol or stress or making me freak out or overreact. And in situations like that, yes, you can do breathing and meditate. But the pathway we're trying to clear is this. Life is a roller coaster. I'm going to get a fear spike. I need to recognize the physiological and psychological change. I need to assess if this is true danger or not, and then I need to fuck fear. I need to face it. I need to research it and understand it and control it as operative here, the operative term here, because there's lots of things in life that you may have to do afraid. That's one of the things that that I think is unique about our program, because a lot of other things, other systems that I've looked at imply this state of fearlessness, of no fear, which is hence the, the spelling, and uh, no fear versus no fear versus k or w fear this idea that like there's no such thing as no fear if i change the arena if i change the risk if i change the stakes and now you suddenly go mm, hold on a second i could lose how much or i could lose this my life i could lose my wife my kids my business there's no way you're not going to have some sort of fear And and we just may be talking about semantics, but the goal is to create better self-awareness because better self-awareness empowers you to critically think. And if you have better self-awareness and critical thinking skills, you improve your situational awareness. If you improve your situational awareness and it's unbiased, Fitzgerald said, the ability to weigh and consider opposing thoughts is a true sign of intelligence. In business, situational awareness provides opportunities. In business, situational awareness prevents you from getting screwed over. So, how do I enhance my situational awareness? So, I go, that was weird. Did you pick up on that? Have you ever been screwed over in a relationship? (laughs) Absolutely. Right? Have you ever been screwed over in business? Absolutely. I've asked those two questions for the last 20 plus years. I've never had somebody say, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Every single person 15 years and older has said, yeah, I've been betrayed. I've been screwed over. And then I asked this question after it was done and you thought about the situation or discussed it, or you did your own after action, did you ever say, you know, I fucking knew that was going to happen? Yeah, red flag. So I would say this intuition whispers in your ear, and cognitive dissonance, confirmation bias, fear, arrogance, overconfidence, shuts down intuition. Because if you knew you were going to get betrayed or screwed over in this romantic relationship or in this business relationship. Why the fuck did you proceed? But every one of us, including myself, said, "You know, I knew, I knew there's something wrong here." But you know, we put the blinders on and we our romantic selves move forward. I'm so excited about this program, man, because it's it's shit that I wish somebody had grabbed me when I was in my 20s and went, "You need to understand this, like fear." can be your friend. Fear can be fuel. And here's the goal of leaning into fear. It improves your self-awareness, which improves your critical thinking, which improves your situation awareness. Because you look around and you go, wow, I just got a red flag there. And I say to you, go over there and talk to that person. You go, no, no, no. Like most people, they avoid conflict and confrontations. And if I say why, you can use whatever fancy fucking language you want. But the only answer is because you're afraid of the confrontation. You're afraid of the answer. You're afraid of the interaction. But it all comes down to the F word, which isn't fuck. And the F
1: word is fear. Absolutely. Tony, it's been incredible talking to you. I could talk to you all day. Where can we learn to spear fear? Where can we go to learn more about how to leverage fear to our advantage, how
0: to use that startle
1: flinch psychologically to help us turn it into fuel?
0: Interesting somebody wrote a book called Flinch and they interviewed me for it and it was all about business that that moment when something happens in business and you go fuck I wrote a 9 page ebook called Making Friends with Fear you know share that link please with your audience everyone start there it's free you click it of course you're going to go in my funnel I'm going to try and sell you more shit but I guarantee it's life saving it's life changing if you can change your relationship with fear From one moment to the next, you change the quality of your day. The algorithm means you change the quality of your life. Making friends with fear, check that out. And I should say this, my approach to fear was born out of studying violence. And I think that's an interesting thing to point out because it wasn't like this, this is going to sound crass, but like I'm not some academic that went to school and I got a degree and now I'm going, hey, I'm going to teach you about fear management. And I've never really had a job. I work at, a, at an office where I'm one of like, you know, 20 psychologists there. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those people or anything like that. I'm just saying our approach is different. Hence that quote from Jeff DeTesso, who went the academic route and said, this is more powerful. In fact, he's got vets that call him up on referral and they'll say things and you can have them on your show and talk about it. It'd be interesting. And they call up and they go, hey, I want to learn that Blower shit. Literally, that's how they refer to it. And what's that Blower shit? And he says one of the reasons they love it is because when they research who came up with this, they go, this guy's trained military law enforcement for like 30 plus years. It's that report. They like it already. But because I studied violence, fear, and aggression and created a program where I went, the worst day of your life inarguably could be like the fear right before sudden violence. And you could say, hey, man, the worst of your life is waking up paralyzed. This is, we're not a competition. Why I say violence is because there's a gap between stimulus and response where everything flashes before you. And yes, it could be a car accident, it could be health, it could be financial, and there's very shitty moments. But there's something unique. And just, again, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. There's just something about the violence part is like, this doesn't have to happen. You're a bad person, right? So you, you, you follow what I'm saying? It's like, there's something extra sucky about it being violence versus any other catastrophic event in our lives. So the system kind of like emerged out of that or me during my incubator period in the 80s, when I was trying to help people in self-defense, the physical alone isn't working. So then I started experimenting with the scenarios and that brought it closer. I could see the hesitation, the doubt, the fear And I grew up with fear my whole life. And so it was a natural, very organic. And it was decades of work. And I say all that because making friends with fear, when people go, you should write a book, this is only nine pages. And I joke, I say that took me 40 years to write those nine pages. Plus, if it was 90 pages or 900 pages, you wouldn't finish it. Finish these fucking nine pages and then go, oh my God. Because you will have some light bulb moments in there and you might go i want to train more with this guy or i want to bring him into my company or I want him to talk or i want to i'm going to get his digital program and or this is full of shit what a waste of time but making friends at fear my main site if you just want to see the scope of our work is blauer systems.com my last name b-l-a-u-e-r training systems.com and i'm all over the place shadow band on instagram and facebook but if you type in my full name you should find me
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to connect all that stuff to everybody in the show notes so we can get more of you. Thank you so much, my friend. I look forward to shaking your hand in
0: person and talking to you soon. Yeah. Hope to see you soon. And and let's get you on my No Fear Live and get your message out there to my group. Absolutely. I think they very much go hand in hand. Absolutely.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of
0: Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media.